Hey, yo. What's going on, guys? You know what today is? It's, it's my time. dad's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Dan's dad. And happy birthday to you, who you leveled up since the last time we had an episode. Yeah, I went from level 32 to 33. All right. Well, guys, this is the final countdown. Hashtag Europe. Of Talk and Talkie's journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens. And of course, we are reviewing the original trilogy. The original trilogy. The original trilogy, which are like my favorite movies ever. So we're not going to waste any time because it's going to be a long episode and we're going to just kick it right off. You ready to do this? Let's do this. By the way, I'm Chris O'Malley and that's Dan Peck. Exactly. You know, the beginning of a Star Wars theme always sounds to me like the orchestra is warming up and then they fucking punch it in. (laughs) Well, that's one way to put it. Because it all starts with them making like weird sounds and then all of a sudden, like, yeah. Maybe that's how it was. And John Williams was like, I like this. Let's leave it in. So I want to give I want to give a shout out to Giant Media Ball for continuing to host this show, and a shout out to Podcast of PA for adding us to our list, and uh, a shout out to Chris Decker who we apparently blew his mind last week regarding your Empire theory about how the Emperor planned everything from the beginning. Yeah, he's like, dude, that really sent me for a ride. I'm like, that's awesome. That was the plan. He didn't. It was yeah. Well, there's a couple of plans that come to fruition in this trilogy. We're going to talk about them. It's been roughly 19 years since the end of uh, the, of the previous movie. Yes. So the ship that we met in Episode 3, the Taint of 4, Taint of 7, I can't remember its code name, number, but it's under siege above the planet of Tatooine. They're claiming they're on a diplomatic mission, but in fact, they've got stolen Death Star plans, and Princess Leia is carrying them. So and loss of Bothans did not die for this information because no, that doesn't this, happen yet. Not yet. But Kyle uh, Katarn did. Yeah, I think that's what. No, he's part of the. He was like the leader of the Bothan group, actually. I think any other one. So no. Oh, those are good games. Plus, Kyle Katarn doesn't exist anymore. Which is stupid because those games still exist. So. And Dash Rendar's ship exists, but we don't know if he exists. <laughs> yes, he he might not exist anymore. We don't know. So the rebels get boarded, and this, of course, is one of the classic Star Wars scenes because it's the first time we meet the stormtroopers. Oh yeah, and the stormtroopers are terrible shots. They only killed like a million freaking rebels. <laughs> yeah, they they killed half the people in the. It's a very narrow hallway, so it's kind of sad that they're missing so many shots. But at the same time, they do kill quite a few of them. And the first characters that we actually meet in Star Wars canon are C three PO and R two D two, who are basically Abbott and Costello. <laughs> In a lot of ways. They are the, um, they represent the LGBTQ community. Yes, of course. They are, um, they, they have quite the, quite the number of lulls in each trilogy come from these two. Because the whole point is that R2's given the plans on a secret mission, and he knows everything that happened in the prequels. So he knows who Obi-Wan Kenobi is. He knows what where Tatooine is. He knows everything he has to do. But C-3PO got his memory wiped, so he's just confused and British. Those might be interchangeable. I'm not sure. He's very British. But we also get that iconic moment when Vader walks in for the first time, and everybody just stops and, like, salutes him. And you're just like, uh-oh, this dude's bad news. Oh, it's a Nubian guy. And he wants to know where them plans are. So he kills the captain by scum. No force choking yet. This time it's just 
regular choking. He <laughs> that's gonna be like the worst interrogation skill ever. I'm gonna interrogate you, but I'm gonna keep squeezing your throat until you're dead. Well, guess we're not interrogating anymore. That's the thing that happens in the uh, Batman Arkham Origins. Because Batman's only been Batman for a few months in that game. And so he's, like, interrogating a guy, and he accidentally knocks him out. He's like, shit. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, Leia gets captured because they set their weapons to stun in, like, the only time that ever happens. Oh, yeah, they use the, like, the little stun shotgun thingy that yep. sets the circle out. That's in video games. I remember that. Yeah. It's not like uh, in Star Trek, it's always phaser set to stun, but in yeah, Star sometimes, Wars. Sometimes it's set to kill. Yes, but in Star Wars, they're always set to kill or they're set to miss. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, their gun is set to miss. They're, they're set they're to miss. They're semi automatic, automatic, and miss <laughs> on the dial. Yeah, right. So Leia's captured and she's going to be taken to the Death Star. But meanwhile, we're jo- rejoining 3PO and R2. On their secret mission, as they're navigating the desert, I and love this. Course, is like, oh, well, there's no life life signs aboard the pod, so uh, whatever. Just, yeah, like uh, you guys know that robots exist in this universe, right? Yep. But it also shows incompetence of the Empire, which is a pretty common theme. I think by this point, you know, the Empire had gotten so big and go- so spread out, and so many people had joined it that they're not going to have the best soldiers ever. Well. As we learn now, because they end up on Tatooine, which in the 19 years in between has become part of the Empire. And as evidenced by this movie, they have uh, gotten rid of slavery and pot racing. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Jabba's still there, but he's no longer in charge. He's just kind of a... he just kind of hangs out and has people do, do jobs for him. He's basically a mob boss. Yeah, that's all he is. Now he has like no no literal power. He only has he has his own power. Yeah, he's not actually in charge of the area. He's just in charge of the area. So, yep. So three PO and R two split because R two wants to take away that's too rocky, and three PO wants to stick to the smooth sand. So of course, R two gets captured by Jawas, while three PO willingly <laughs> gets captured by Jawas because he sees transport. Yes, after he sees the, the crate dragon skeleton, and he's just like, oh, crap. Oh, bother. <laughs> if he turns bother. into Winnie the Pooh. Uh, the Jawas, with their, their little scavengers, and they sell, they collect robot parts, and then they sell droids to people. So they're stopping off at this moisture farm owned by the Lars family to sell them droids. And we meet for the first time Luke Skywalker, the single most important character in all of Star Wars lore. And when we meet him, he's just a whiny teenager living with his aunt and uncle, and he just wants to hang out with his friends and go join the Academy, because he wants to fight the Empire. But we need him here, because, you know, we have to harvest moisture on a desert planet, and that's important. Need you for one more season. Oh, but it's a whole other season. Oh, Luke, just relax and drink some blue milk, would you? So, they're going to buy some droids. They need a protocol droid who can speak bocce. And fortunately, I love 3PO selling himself. Like, he, he knows exactly how to get out of the situation and sell himself as a droid. And then they buy an he, art- he, he can remember that the first thing he ever did was work on a moisture farm. Yes, but he doesn't remember anything else. <laughs> and that all the stuff is like, 
Oh, no, yeah, I was, like, created, like, like a couple miles away from here. And yeah, I, I worked on this moisture farm, but I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember. So they, they buy another Astrodroid, but it malfunctions on the way to the homestead. And according to the Star Wars novels, it's because R2 rigged it so that he could stick with 3PO, which is great. I figured something like that was there. Yeah. So they buy their droids, and Luke fits them with the restraining bolts. Restraining bolts in Star Wars lore means your droids can't go very far. Unfortunately, that also means that he triggers this message, and it's just part of a message, and all it keeps saying is, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. But when he takes the restraining bolt off, the message disappears, and R2 pretends like his memory got wiped. Because R2's kind of a dick. But it's also, he's on a secret mission. Right. He's on a mission from God. Pretty we much. need to do that movie sometime. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, R2 escapes while Luke's having dinner. and As he's so, arguing with Uncle Owen about yeah. staying for one more season. All yeah. my friends are gone. They're, I want to go through all the things. <laughs> Teenage angst and emo stuff in 1977. Uh, so they're going to have to go You're track You're not my again. dad, Uncle Owen. Yeah, right. And also, uh, uh, you think he could be related, related to old Ben Kenobi? He's like, nah, that's just a crazy old hermit. Don't go over there. He's a crazy old man. He's a crazy old man. But we all know he's actually there to watch over Luke as he grows up. But So we're tracking down the droids. The sand people show up, which R2 knows they're bad news. But three is like a derogatory term. They are Tusken Raiders. Yes, they are Tusken Raiders. But Luke is kind of a racist here. No, they're just sand people. Jeez, Luke. So after uh, after Obi Wan scares them off by yelling like a crate dragon, he takes everybody into his homestead, and this is where we get the full Star Wars lore story because we get the full message. That's a name I haven't heard in many years. Yep. We get Luke gets his father's lightsaber. He finds out how she's totally died. not fucking ready for it. what the hell, old man. Yeah. Ah, here you go. <laughs> here's a freaking there's a freaking light sword. There's a sword you. that can literally cut through anything but another sword. Here you go, kid. Go play with this. Okay, but it's not as clumsy or as random as a blaster. It's all uh, because he killed General Grievous with one. Yeah, right. Uh, so uns- <laughs> so uncivilized. <laughs> That's actually a pretty funny scene, though. Grievous was such a shitty character that I'm really happy he had a really shitty death. Oh, your heart's exposed? Well, I'll just shoot a blaster in there. Oh, that did it. But, uh... Meanwhile, the Tusken Raiders are tracking... Or not the Tusken Raiders, the Stormtroopers have landed. They found the restraining... Oh, they got add a bunch of more CGI those things. Yeah. Um, I didn't hate the CGI release with the special editions when they came out because I thought it was cool, but after watching the prequels, some of the CGI stuff just stands out really bad. Some of the stuff they did is cool, like how they added motion in the pilots for like the Snowspeeder chase and the the X-Wing battle. I uh, I found it most egregious in the first, in this one, and the other... In Empire, I barely noticed anything, and then the third movie, it was just like, the only thing I didn't like is they changed the Ewoks. Because, yeah, That's the only thing I didn't really like about in the... All Empire really did was they made Cloud City more open, but it still looked like the map paintings. So, it still looked 
decent. I didn't feel like I was overblown with CGI. But not this scene where they add like 30 million more stormtroopers and animals. <laughs> yeah, which was unnecessary for the Moss Eisley scene completely. But uh, now while all this is happening, uh, the stormtroopers, they find the restraining bolts so they know that there are droids. They track the droids to the Jawa Sandcrawler. They try to cover up their tracks, but nope, these blast points are too accurate. Only Imperial. Too Storm- accurate! <laughs> too accurate. And when Luke just realizes that means that they tracked him back home, he goes and he finds his aunt and uncle as smoking corpses, which is just kind of hideous for a, a movie that's supposedly directed towards kids. Rated PG because PG-13 didn't exist yet. But that's all that he needed because now that everything's gone, now he wants to become a he Jedi. He has no reason to stay. Yep. So that's exactly what he's going to do. Now, of course... We get the Death Star. We get to see how massive the Death Star is. We already know how big the uh, the Star Destroyers are by this point, because we saw one in the opening scene. And now then Luke murdered see. them all, and not just the men, the women and the children. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where we get the... Um, this is where we actually get a little plot point that covers up the tracks from Episode 3. Because... <laughs> Tarkin mentions that the Emperor has officially dissolved what was once the Republic, and now the only way to keep everybody in line is because we've got this big-ass battle station that can destroy a whole planet. Yep, no more Senate. No more Senate. All the regional governors have control, and fear will keep them in line. And, of course, you've got the one guy who's like, he must be. He must have been part of like the blueprints or something, because he's like he's got a huge boner over this Death Star. He's like, I this is the greatest power ever. We must use it, but don't don't for don't 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 take us out with these uh, sorcerer's ways of yours, Lord Vader, and blah blah blah. And Vader's like, all right, you want to challenge the, religion? Yeah, all right, you want to challenge the Force? Well, look what I can do. <laughs> Stewart, <laughs> look what I can do. And he chokes him the fuck out. But Tarkin's like, yep, we're going to, as soon as the station's operational, we're going to crush them in one swift blow. Because all we got to do is find out where their base are by interrogating the princess. And then we blow the shit out of that planet. Okay. So they arrive at Mos Eisley so they can find a pilot off the planet. Another, there has never been a greater hive of scum and villainy. Yes. And of course, we go to the the cantina, which is one of my favorite scenes. But first, but first, we get another glimpse into the powers of the Force because Obi Wan tricks the stormtrooper to thinking that these are not the droids he's looking for. Oh, you can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. Move along. Move along. Like I know you do. <laughs> so the cantina scene's awesome because. Getting rid of the CGI crap. The music's awesome, but this is also our first real scene into how vast the Star Wars universe is with all the different creatures that are there. Aliens, there's humanoid aliens, there's fucking... There's an astronaut. Weird worm guy. Yep. There's There's an astronaut, which means... How long ago was this? Long ago enough that we had the space program and could travel to another galaxy? And then this, uh, these two punks, who are apparently wanted men, of course start a bar fight. Because when you're a wanted guy and you're trying to lay low, that's exactly what you do, is draw attention to yourself. That's when you you're already wanted in, like, 12 systems. You're going to be wanted in the 13th now. 
Obi-Wan just casually chops the one dude's arm off and chops the other guy's chest. And then Luke says, should I business? Get back to your drink. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines from the prequels. You want to you wanna buy some death sticks? Uh, you don't want to sell me death sticks. I, I don't want to sell you death sticks. You have to go home and rethink your life. I, I want to go home and rethink my life. That happens here, too. <laughs> and, of course, another fan theory is that Chewbacca is actually a spy for the Rebellion, which explains how he ties into everything from the wars. But I'm assuming we'll get the true Chewbacca origin with Han Solo in the Han Solo anthology film that's coming. <clears throat> and then he's going to die in Episode 7 by having a moon fall on him. Oh, God. <laughs> that's how he died in the Expanded Universe. Yeah, I know that, but that's which is just <laughs> damn. <laughs> A moon landed specifically on this one Wookiee. And fuck this Wookiee in particular. And, and that was that was at the time Palmer Cannon because Lucas approved it. That was official Expanded Universe books. Yeah. Not anymore, because he ain't in charge no more. So they find their pilot. His name is Han Solo. He's captain of the Millennium Falcon. And has, should I have heard of this the, ship? Yeah, the, the Kessler run in 12 parsecs. And I love that fan theory. They're like, Han knew what he was talking about. He wanted to see if the old man knew what he was talking about. And he failed his first test. Well, maybe he found the uh, the, the finished, finished uh, line between the end of it, end of the Kessler run. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> so, of course, the stormtroopers got called in because these jerks were just slicing people up. And everybody's super casual about that, too. Because there hasn't, there isn't a ventilator. Yeah. But there's, they're even more casual when Han kills Greedo in the bar. Well, he says sorry. He says sorry and and pays him and then runs out. And I don't like the change to make it look like Greedo shot first. But I also noticed in the Blu-ray release they re-edited it so they shoot at the same time. Yeah, but you also see like the weird neck movement that Han makes to get to so the shot misses, which is one of the funniest things they did when they did the uh, the episode seven Lucas version trailer when they show Poe Dameron in his X wing and he moves his head to the side. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> necks don't move like that. They do in Star Wars. Star Wars. Well, just because all these characters are human, don't mean they're from Earth. Exactly, exactly. So they're probably so, not from Earth because they're in a galaxy far, far away. So in a, in a cool CGI scene that I do think helped out, they show the Millennium Falcon taking off after the Stormtroopers attack. Wait, they've got their deal made, which is funny because Solo gets pretty screwed out of this one. And they're going to blast off into hyperspace, evading the, the Star Destroyers. And we're going to go to Alderaan. And everything's okay. Everything's okay. But now we notice that the Death Star is going to destroy Alderaan because Tarkin said, you know what? If the princess isn't going to talk, then let's do it this way. Let's go ahead and destroy her home planet. She either tells us where the rebel base is or we destroy her home. So, of course, she she lies, but she, tries to she says Dantooine Dantooine. But they do it anyway because this is the Empire and they don't give a shit. Well, his reasoning was Dantooine's too remote. No one's going to know if we blow it up. Yeah, but if we destroy Alderaan, which is apparently a major player in the Republic, according to at least what, how the prequels expanded it. So, yep, there goes there goes the planet. And Obi-Wan can sense a disturbance in the Force, as if millions of voices screamed out in terror and were suddenly silenced. 
And it's just like, well, that doesn't sound good. So Luke's doing his training. Uh, Chewie's getting pissed off because he's losing at a chess game. So they they re-strategize. Let the Wookiee win, because when Wookiees lose, they rip people's arms out of their sockets. Good strategy. I suggest a new strategy, all too. Let the Wookiee win. And I love how he just puts his hands behind his head like, yup. I'm going to win this. <laughs> and, of course, we get the whole Han Solo thing where he's like, I've been all across this galaxy, but I've never seen anything to make me believe in this all-knowledgeable force or whatever. Which is funny because in the trailer for Episode 7, we already know that Han is now a massive believer. It's all true. All of it, bro. All of it. All of it's true, bro. And uh, and BB-8 needs to stop. Including, including the part where you were friend-zoned for her own brother. Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Why did BB-8 roll away from Renee Young? What a jerk. I do He's just got to roll out of here. I hope BB-8 is at least a girl, because that would be only be the only saving grace for that character. You know, lesbianic robots. <laughs> I would have rolled into Renee Young several times. But anyway, people, non-wrestling fans who listen to this show are going to be like, what the hell are these people talking about? Who the hell is Renee Young? And how come he keeps t- comparing his Star Wars hype to something called Mojo Raleigh? <laughs> because when it comes to Star Wars hype, I am like Mojo Raleigh. You don't get hype. I stay hyped. So you've been hyped since like 2005? 2012, dude. <laughs> Ever since Star- I found out that Episode 7 was happening, I've been hyped. No, by the time that means you of- actually got hype at one Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. You should well, have stayed hyped from, since 2005. So, so Mojo was hyped when he was born? Uh, all right, that's too, that's there with, this is more road, Mojo talk than we even do on a wrestling podcast. What the hell are we doing? Anyway, back he to ain't hype. He ain't hype. So Luke is starting to get his first twinge into the Force because they put the blast shield down on the helmet, and he can sense where the probe is going to be. But, of course, Han's like, Phew. It's just skills against a robot. Now, skills against the living, that's completely different. That's true. Well, we arrive on Alderaan, but it's not there anymore. There's an uncharted asteroid field and no Alderaan. But they find this little TIE fighter that blasts at the ship, and they decide to follow him. It's way too far away from anything. Yeah. And now, they're like, he's heading for that small moon. That's the moon. That's a space station. That's too big to be a space station. See, now they call it the Death Star, but it clearly looks like a moon. Yeah. Dum dums. <laughs> I have death a bad, I have a very bad feeling about this. Uh, yeah, me too. Well, you should have a bad feeling because this is not going to end well. They get caught in the tractor beam and taken aboard the Death Star because the markings message mac uh, they uh, match a ship that blasted its way out of Mos Eisley. But Vader senses something. He senses something he hasn't sensed in 19 years. Yeah, something's something's off about this, so Vader's all... Which is probably like enough for him to have forgotten what the presence of other Force users is like, except for... Oh, yeah. Except for when the Emperor's around, which he doesn't actually see in person very often, apparently. He doesn't see him nearly as much as he wants to. <laughs> Must be a bromance. Oh, God. <laughs> Sounded it's Okay. <laughs> But if that's what they're into. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. The dark side is strong with this one. Who the hell oh, knows? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sure there are some conservatives that listen to this show that are probably refer to that crap as the dark side. Well, butt stuff. Yeah. 
Butt stuff indeed. So they smuggle themselves into Han's smuggling compartments because there's nobody there, and they try to tr- they try to trick it, like jettisoning escape pods and having a log that they took they escaped as like a decoy. But Vader makes the scanning crew go aboard, so of course they take out the scanning crew, disguise himself as stormtroopers, and start taking over the station because you know that's exactly what a <laughs> what. A young kid, a smuggler, a Wookiee, two droids, and an old man are going to do is take over the entire well, battle station. <clears throat> well, basically, right now, all they have to do is just, like, make sure everything is okay so the old man can go and turn off the freaking tractor beam so they can leave. That's the plan right now. This quickly changes yeah. as they realize well, well, Obi-Wan, Princess is there. Yeah, but Obi-Wan knows that uh, something different is going to happen. Like, you you can tell the way he talks to Luke that he knows he's not coming to see him again, because Obi-Wan just knows. That's why he says, I have to do this by myself, because if Luke gets involved, he could get killed. And that's just not okay. It's not okay, dude. It's not okay. So, As they're disguised as stormtroopers, they discover the princess, and now they're going to go perform a rescue mission. And they actually have kind of a smart plan here. Put Chewie in binders to make it look like he's a prisoner, and then just walk him through. The droids are just going to sit around and and chill. Because they're they're like in a control room, so they can help him out with schematics and stuff from the control room. Now, I I love the scene where after... uh, after they get up there and they pretend like Chewie got loose, so they just start blasting everything in sight, including all the cameras. Oh, you missed you missed the part where uh, the like the warden's there and he's like, "Fuck this!" and he's like, uh, "We're taking this this uh, prisoner to Coruscant." Yeah. Where are you taking this? Thing? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we're taking Coruscant. The- uh, 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 that, that doesn't compute. That doesn't um, compute. Um, uh, you're I, under arrest. I, you're under arrest. <laughs> Roger, Roger. That might be the funniest scene in all of Episode One. Coruscant, uh, that doesn't compute. Um, I, uh, uh, you're under arrest! Oh, okay. And you're dead, because I'm gonna slice you up with a lightsaber. <laughs> and then I'm gonna push over, like, three of your friends, just ending them, too. But I love this scene, because Harrison Ford refused to learn his lines, so he could do the whole thing spontaneous, which is why he stumbles so badly, which I think is brilliant. Uh, 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 we have a large re- reactor leak up here. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm fine, we're all fine. Up here now. All right, we were to send some backup for you. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, no, uh, no, don't do that. <laughs> Wait, who is this? What's your operating number? Uh, so he just blasts it. <laughs> this was a boring conversation anyway. <laughs> so Luke finds the princess, and she's all like, "Aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper?" And he's all like, "Well, stay here and die, you stuck-up bitch." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm in the, the outfit. Yeah, sh- okay." Um, oh yeah, because I, I completely forgot I'm disguised as a stormtrooper, <laughs> even though I just bitched two minutes ago that I couldn't see out of this helmet. Come on, Luke. <laughs> Come on, Luke. This is all new to him. He, he was just the freaking nephew of a moisture farmer two days ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> So they rescue the princess and get their only escape route cut off. So she just so the princess rescues herself. <laughs> That's the best part, and I love what she does. Like this is some rescue. You had a plan for getting in. What's your plan for getting out? And Solo's like, well, he's the brain, sweetheart. <laughs> so everybody get into the garbage chute. Chewie, get in there. I don't care what you smell. 
And sure enough, there's a creature in the tr- in the garbage bin, and it's trying to kill them. And how the fuck did it get there? It's on a freaking space station in the middle of nowhere, in the middle prob- of space. They probably keep it in there to, to eat some of the crap. It might be like a specific thing, yeah. Yeah. So, uh... It's the walls start closing in because they figure that they escaped into the trash compactor. So the whole the empire's just like, all right, well we'll just compact all of them. If they're in there, well it'll they'll kill them. So they start screaming to three PO to turn it off. But the stormtroopers are investigating the droids, and I love this part because the stormtrooper hits his head, and that's one of my favorite changes to the Blu-ray was they uh, they retroactively added dialogue. So when he hits his head, you hear a thunk, and you just hear check him. That makes me laugh so hard. You might as well acknowledge it. Everybody knows it's there. I love when they get in there and they like open the closet and 3PO and R2-D2 are in there. They're like, someone's breaking into the prison. Go, go there. And like all of them but one take off. Yep. <laughs> well, they don't know which droids go where. And then, and then I, love how, I love how they they get past those, the guy that's guarding. He's like, uh, um, this one's malfunctioning a bit. I'm going to take him to maintenance. He's like, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Good job, Stormtroopers. <laughs> These aren't the droids I'm looking for. I mean, also, also, it's been 19 years, so at this point, I would say more than half of the Stormtroopers aren't clones anymore. Uh, yeah, at this point... Because they had the accelerated... Uh, yeah. Most of the Stormtroopers aren't by this point. They're all recruits, so... Yeah. So, so who knows how many dum-dums are in there? Stormtrooper Baron Corbin, for example. I love how we're referring to them as dum-dums, even though the clones are all all have the same father. <laughs> there should be some some real bad inbreeding going on. <laughs> well, imagine if they start making clones of the clones, then we get a multiplicity problem. Whether we oh, have jeez, where they start becoming freaking dum-dums, super dum-dums. I think the Star Wars series is out of control now. But anyway. Um, my, my other favorite part is coming up here when 3PO re- realizes, oh yeah, we, we can't find them. So, what, oh yeah, I turned the comm link off. So when he discovers they're about to get crushed, he's yelling at R2 to shut all the detention level trash compactors down. And when they do, they start celebrating, but 3PO thinks they're dying. Oh no, they're dying, R2. Curse my middle body, I wasn't fast enough. <laughs> so after they, uh, after they escape, they just drop the costumes because F this. And they and all manage to take a shower, apparently. Yeah. But Obi-Wan's okay. He shuts down the tractor beam. I like how he, like, fucking solid snakes his way through, like, the entire Death Star. Yeah. Well, he uses he uses force tricks to keep distracting people. I think it's really funny because, like, I think somebody, like, mapped out, like, the routes they all took. And, like, the Obi-Wan has to go across, like, pretty much the farthest walking distance possible on the Death Star. Yeah, considering the thing is the size of a small moon, I can imagine that's not exactly the easiest path <laughs> Like, to he walk. had to go, like, the farthest, right? Because they show, like, where... Because they show on the map where he has to go. He has yeah. to go, like, possibly, like, the farthest distance to get to something from where they were. And they just, you know, walked a bit and then went down an elevator. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, Obi-Wan succeeds in his mission, and now he's off to find Vader, because Vader is off to find him, because he knows he's there. They they plant a homing device on the Millennium Falcon, so everybody see, can and escape. This is, see, and this is why 
the stormtroopers missed the whole time. See, right. everyone is just like stormtroopers suck. Well, you, you know, earlier in the movie, right? They killed a whole bunch of rebels in the, in the opening scene, and then freaking Obi Wan is like, nope, nothing is as accurate as a stormtrooper. And now they suddenly miss all the time because that was the plan. Yep, that's the plan. Another good start. Another good fan theory. Well, the good news is everybody escapes except for Obi Wan, who is killed who in a confrontation. Fighting because he wants Luke to to see this. I uh, yeah. Because if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And so. this is ooh explained at the end of episode three, where Yoda gives him homework for his time in Tatooine. Yep. Okay, he can because, talk to Qui-Gon and learn to become a Force ghost. Because Qui-Gon already figured it out. He didn't know it at first, which is why his body didn't dissolve in the beginning, but he knows it now. That's why Obi-Wan disappears instantly, because he's already there. And, and Vader's like, the fuck? Yeah, no, Vader's just, like, kicking the robe like, i never seen this before. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so they escape. They have the cool little TIE fighter sequence where they, uh, they blast him. But great kid, don't get cocky. <clears throat> yeah. And of course, they get tracked to the to the moon of Yavin Four, where the rebel base is. So the Death Star. And this like whole thing in in sci fi that like there's habitable moons that have forests and shit. Yeah. Holy damn. Yep. Ours is a desolate wasteland that you can't even breathe on. Yeah. Which is funny because Yavin itself is a gas planet, so they had it had to be a moon. Is it a gas giant? It is a gas giant. So the Death Star is going to orbit the planet, and it's going to destroy the Rebel base because we all know where they are. But it's time for some World War II dogfighting, which was – when you go back and watch this and you think about the technical limitations of 1977, this scene is friggin' awesome. And here's what here's why we can destroy the Death Star with little one man fighters because the Death Star was only designed to repel big ships, but they don't consider small ships to be a threat. So all we got to do is hit proton torpedoes in this part, and boom, get it all the way down the tube, and it's going to hit a thing and start a chain reaction. It'll blow up the whole Death Star. It's only two meters wide. That's impossible. No, it's not. We used to blast swamp rats. My T-16 back home. You used to shoot small animals? What the hell's wrong with you? I don't know. Womp rats are pretty pretty dum-dum and annoying. So. I'm sure they are. So, we, we man up. And in the, uh, in the new editions, we get that extended scene where Luke and Biggs hug. And he's all like, man, I can't believe you're here. And he's like, yeah, man, we're going to go do this. And I'll hear all totally your stories. totally not going to die. Yeah, I'll hear all your stories when we get back. Okay. When? All right, good luck. Like three good luck, of buddy. Us, two of us live. Yeah. <laughs> Wedge Antilles lives, a Y-Wing lives, and Luke lives. And, of course, the Falcon. So the dogfighting happens. Everybody's doing okay so far, except for Porkins. Gets shot down all because he can't pull out. Womp womp. Yeah, uh, I have a problem here. Pull up. No, I'm okay. And then he explodes. The TIE fighters start to start to take down the ships individually. And Vader's like, uh, I, yeah, 
my TIE fighter and take them all out myself. My TIE fighter with the curved wings. Yep. The first run fails because Vader and his backup guys take out the Y-wings. The second run fails because Vader and his lackeys take out the the X-wings and kill Red Leader. So there's like three of them left. So Luke's like, all right, screw it. We better just go in and do this. Biggs is killed, and Luke is all sad, even though there's no character development for Biggs at all in this movie. So we're not, I don't know how we're supposed to feel sad. And then Han Solo comes back to save the day because he was all like, well, I got my reward. I'm leaving. Bye. And he's like, nope. He couldn't do it. He had to come back and kill kill Vader's escorts. Yep. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. And Luke uses the force. Yeah, instead of using the computer, he turns the computer off and everyone's like, the fuck? Yeah, what are you doing? So if he uses the force, did he guide the proton torpedoes to the target using the force then? Or did he just time it based on what the force told him when to pull the trigger? Or both? But does it, I guess it doesn't matter because the Death Star blows up before it can do anything. Both torpedoes hit two and they only needed one. Yeah, with 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 Tarkin just sitting there, and he refused to evacuate because he's like, he's, "What? These are like little baby mosquitoes. <laughs> these are like little flies. This isn't gonna do anything." And then he went boom with the Death Star, and everybody celebrates. Han and Luke are presented with awards because they saved the day, but and not everybody, chewy. but not Chewie, and everybody cheers. Oh, and then what's funny is that uh, Peter Mayhew apparently wore that medal to the premiere of Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. But she didn't do anything. Oh, well. He sat in the seat next to her. Yeah, he did stuff. He sat there. He totally did stuff. So, uh, that's how we conclude the first movie, which was expected to be a major flop and ended up becoming the biggest marketing shill of all time. Oh, yeah, the the empty box thing for Christmas, because they... (laughs) They didn't like make any merch, and then they realized, holy crap, we should probably make some action figures. Yep. <laughs> and they're like, we're not going to get them done in time for Christmas, so what we'll do is we'll let people pre-order them and wrap up empty boxes with promises for action figures for the kids. <laughs> all right, uh, you want to do some trivia now, or you want to move on to and cover all the plots and then do all the trivia? Uh, I guess do all the trivia later. Except okay. for that empty box thing I just said. <laughs> exactly. All right, so we're going to move on to Empire Strikes Back. So a couple of years have passed. Uh, Vader is obsessed with finding Skywalker because he knows that he's Force-sensitive, and of course he's he's drawn the conclusion that that's the only way it's possible at this point. So what they're doing, because the Rebels move to a new base, is they're dispatching probe droids everywhere. And of course, one probe droid lands on the correct planet, which is the ice planet of Hoth. And Luke, Luke and Han are out there. They're setting up markers to detect if anything discovers their base. But Luke's like, hey, I saw a meteorite. I'm going to go check it out. And he gets attacked by a wampa because, you know, he, he could have just gone in. But he's like, nope, I got to go do this. So now they're all like, all right, where's Luke? Uh, I don't know where Luke is. Did, did he come in? No, maybe he went in through the south entrance. Well, can you check? I love that part. He's like, maybe. Well, why don't you go check already? Wampa's got Luke in a cave. He uses the force to free his lightsaber, cuts off the Wampa's arm because, you know, that's the theme in Star Wars is people get dismembered and things get dismembered. But we can't take out the speeders because they haven't adapted to the cold yet. So Han's just like, well, I'm going to go find my friend and I'm going to use a tauntaun. They're like, 
but he'll die before you reach the first marker. Well, then I'll see you in hell, which is still a thing in a galaxy far, far away. So, even though Han was going to leave and Leia was all like, don't leave and all this other stuff, he's going out to find his friend. Luke, however, gets a vision from Obi-Wan, who can be a force ghost. Doesn't help Luke at all. He's just like, oh yeah, you're going to survive. And when you do, go to Dagobah and learn from Yoda. He's like, what? But help me, I'm kind of dying right now. (laughs) And he just fades away. And Han finds his body, and his freaking Tauntaun made it way past the first marker. Yeah. Suck it, guy, and then it dies immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, my Tauntaun's fine. Ah, oh, crap. No, it's not. So, <laughs> so he comes up with the brilliant idea to cut the thing open and keep Luke inside its innards to keep him warm. Because he has so, to, so he can make the tent. <laughs> uh, I thought they smelled dead on the outside. But it's it okay. so gross when he cuts it open and you see like the innards, the, the Just, burning innards come flying out. <laughs> so gross. Which is funny too because the thing froze to death. So it, it's kind of funny that it's still warm inside. Well, it's okay because it's warmer it's, than outside. Yeah. <laughs> they discover him. They discover him the next day. Rogue Two finds him, <clears throat> and you know he's Rogue Two because he says it like eight hundred times. Yep. And then they put him in a back-to-tank, which is one of my favorite Robot Chicken skets, where they're just like, what the hell is that kid floating in? What is this, the bloody Dark Ages? Why don't you just put him in some leeches? But it's okay, because Luke is okay, and everybody's happy to see him. And this explains why his face is messed up. Yep, because of his car accident. Because of his car accident IRLs. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so Han's like, well, Leia, you kept me around a little bit longer. And then they have their funny exchange where she calls him a nerf herder. But he doesn't care about that. Yeah, who's scruffy about, looking? Yeah, he cares about being scruffy looking. He's like, you're keeping me around because of the way you feel about me. And she's just like, nope, check this out. And then she kisses her brother because they weren't brother and sister yet. Well, they <coughs> they, they have been their entire yeah. lives. Yeah. But they weren't, they weren't in the script yet. Was that even, was that part true, Han? But the best sure. part is, is Chewie just roars and he's like, man, you said it, Chewie. <laughs> But we discovered that thing that Luke wanted to check out doesn't seem friendly. And 3PO's like, uh, yeah, I know six million languages, and that's not a rebel language. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's not a rebel language. It's some so, kind of robot. It's a probe droid. And this is when they bring in Dash Rendar to help fight the, the Battle of Hoth. Yep. But uh, the probe droid is destroyed, although it's self-destructed. So they're going to start their evacuation, which is a good thing because we get... They are coming hard and coming fast. We get our introduction to the Imperial March, also known as Darth Vader's theme, which is my favorite theme in all of Star Wars, as Vader's big-ass Star Destroyer makes its debut. And I love the intro because it just shows the smaller Star Destroyer being overshadowed. It's like, oh, this is going to be big. And we start meeting. I like how uh, these sh- these ships are called star destroyers, yet they have a thing that destroys planets. Where yep. like, wouldn't you think the bigger thing would destroy stars? Because if you destroyed a star, you would destroy multiple planets. Well, that's what the Sun Crusher does in the expanded universe. Is a uh, it it just turns the star into a supernova, which wipes out the entire system of planets. <sighs> they don't know very much, do they? Because stars are suns, you dumb dumbs. 
Well, oh, it's the freaking you know. If it, only the two people in charge aren't total dum dums in the empire, and they're actually kind of dumb. Yeah. So you've got, of course you've got a uh, you've got Adolf Hitler and the guy from Game of Thrones walking together on the ship. And uh, well, we found something. It's it's the best lead we've had. No, I don't want leads. I want proof. And Vader's like, oh, so you found something? Because they're arguing. Like, no, it's supposed to be devoid of of settlements. So we there's something here. And Vader's like, yep, that's it. And Admiral Oswald's like, no, it's not. <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, it is. Let's do this. So, of course, the Star Destroyers come at a light speed too close to the system. And Vader kills Admiral Oswald for his incompetence. Because oh, but force, by Wi-Fi force joke. <laughs> yes, the Wi-Fi force joke is great. You failed me for the last time, Admiral. And then the, and he promotes the captain immediately. And the captain just he just dies next to him. He's just like, oh, thank you, Lord Vader. Now I'm in charge. This is wonderful. This is going to go well. <laughs> but yeah. things do go relatively well. Rel- relatively well for, for this movie, at least. So the whole plan is that we're going to send out a transport with two X-Wings by taking out the Star Destroyer with the Ion Cannon. And we're going to have everybody else hanging out in the speeders in case they do something on the ground, which is exactly what they do. Which they bring in the AT-ATs and the ATSTs. Yep. And this is my favorite battle, my favorite space battle in Star... Well, it's not space battle, but it's my favorite ship battle in Star Wars, is the Battle of Hoth. A, because it was a, technical, it was a technical masterpiece for its time, because it was incredibly difficult to do. 1980. And it's also the... Um, it's also, like, the, the first real battle that these guys lose... Because their base gets completely taken over. But, see, here's the thing, right? They lose the battle, but they actually weren't ever fighting a battle. They were just trying to escape <laughs> the entire yeah, time. They, they really were. They were just trying to hold everybody off so they could get all the transports out. <laughs> they could get everybody out of there. So, <clears throat> But the battle's pretty cool because once they realize, hey, the armor's too strong for blasters, we'll use our tow cables and just trip them. Which works out, which works out, or would have worked out well for Luke if his if his gunner didn't get killed. Poor Dak. Poor Dak. That's all right because Wedge and his gunner make the correct shot. Take it. And down. then uh, Rogue they Two. Take the, guy, the one down that the generals in, don't they? <laughs> no, he's he's the one that blows up the shield generator. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Lord Vader. I've I've reached the main shield generator. When he hasn't done anything yet, he's like, "Go ahead and land. I got this." He hasn't even done it yet. But they, uh, yeah, the troop the troops enter the base, and Han decides, "I got to get Leia out, and I can't get her out this way because the path is blocked." So I'm going to. Meanwhile, is slowly following them around. Just wait for me. They almost leave him behind too. What I don't, the one scene that I really don't get from this battle is how they take over the base, but all the X-Wings and crap are just casually sitting out in the snow and nobody's attacking them. And they're just like, all right, Luke, well, I guess we'll see you at the rendezvous point. It's like, yeah, because no one's going to stop us when we leave the atmosphere. I guess everybody landed already, so the space is just clear. And I never really got that part. But the best part is that Luke is, Luke is good. Because he's going to go to Dagobah with R2, and he nobody's trying to stop him, but the Millennium Falcon is completely under assault. Apparently, that's the ship they're looking for. And this is another funny scene where he's like, we're going to blast into hyperspace. Like, well, they're gaining, Han. Oh, yeah, watch this. And the thing just fails. Watch what? I think we're in trouble. 
Uh, sir, the hyperdrive is damaged. We're in trouble. Damn, we're in a tight spot. Yep, but it's okay because we'll just use the asteroid field to take out all of the fighters, and then we're going to go hide. But Vader, they're all like, we can't follow them into the asteroid field, and Vader's like, uh, yeah, that's not a concern. Do your job. Until, until the Emperor says, we need you to make contact. So he's like, okay, well, I am no longer going to be in this asteroid field. <clears throat> this is our introduction to the Emperor for the first time. Another really good uh, retroactive editing that they did where they actually added Ian McDermott to this scene and increased the dialogue a little bit to tie it into the prequels. Oh, by seeing Anakin Skywalker? <laughs> yes, but also because we know that he's the rebel who blew up the Death Star, which they never mention. That it has to be him. But search your feelings, Lord Vader. You know this to be true. So if we can turn him, he'd be a powerful ally. Can it be done? Who will join us or die, Master? A good edit, too, because originally they used a female face with chimp eyes in superimposed and somebody else's voice. And it looks terrible if you go back and look at it. This change was brilliant. So while they're hiding on the asteroid, Luke crash lands on Dagobah. The swamp planet, which he obviously figured out in Return of the Jedi how to land properly, because the first time he doesn't do so hot. Well, he didn't know anything. All he, all he knew was that he had to go to Dagobah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as he gets into the atmosphere, all his scopes die. He's just like, uh, okay, well, I guess we'll just see how this goes. But, uh, but I also love how Yoda tests him by acting like this crazy little creature that, that's really dumb and ignorant to everything. Just to see how patient Luke will be, just to screw with him. He's like a little troll. He is. He's beating R2 with his stick because he's trying to take the flashlight back. And of course, that's when Luke is like, man, we're just wasting our time. And then he realizes, oh, crap, he was screwing with me because he's talking to Obi-Wan. Yeah, well, was I any different when you trained me? Well, you didn't train me, you jerk. Qui-Gon did. But we don't know that yet. So finally, Luke is like, I'm not afraid. He's like, oh. Luke like, is like, he's like, why are we eating? And he's like, uh, Yoda is eating now, too. <laughs> yeah, and he was. He was literally <laughs> eating right then. <laughs> yeah, why are we eating right now? Because it's freaking dinner time, dude. Sit down and eat. Jeez. <laughs> God, Luke. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Luke does the eating. He's ready for his training. Meanwhile, we discover that... Uh, uh, yeah, we're actually not in an asteroid. Nope. It's a big old worm. Yep. And of course, while they're fixing the ship, Han and Leia kiss. And 3PO completely cockblocks Han. Sir, I did it! Oh, gee, thanks, 3PO. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but after they escape, they, uh, the ship gets tracked down again. And of course, Vader's hiring bounty hunters to do the job. And, I, and they I immediately have, find him after hiring, like, six bounty hunters. Yep. And one of them is wearing a Doctor Who spacesuit. Yep. From the second series, I believe. The second Doctor. The Tenth Planet. Bosk. Bosk. But uh, <clears throat> another good edit they did was they added Tamora Morrison's voice to Boba Fett because he is a clone. So it makes sense that that's what he sounds like now. Oh, you hear a fan theory about Boba Fett? Which one? That it's a code name handed down through 
through uh, various trained assassins and, and bounty hunters. Like a Dread Pirate Roberts situation. Ah, no, I haven't heard that one. That's a good one, though. So then you don't know what his real name is. <sighs> Bilba is your father, home. Yup. Can we see him? <laughs> oh, you didn't say that part. Get him, Dad. <laughs> Get him, Dad. Fire. All right. <laughs> so he starts firing. But yeah, um, this is cool because that was the scene where Boba learns the trick that they're going to pull because they're hiding on the Star Destroyer. And they float away with their garbage because it's Imperial Procedure. And he's hiding in the garbage because he's like, oh, that's what you're going to do? Well, I got this. Slave then, one, bitches. And another scene that I always found funny was uh, when Captain Nita goes to apologize in person. To He, he basically says, all right, I'm going to be a man about this. So he gets choked to death and Vader's just like, apology accepted. Captain Nita. I don't know, did he die? Because people actually like attended to him afterwards. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he didn't. I, I think he survived. But like, you know. It's still a funny scene though. Yeah. Well, you knew he knew it was gonna was gonna happen. <laughs> <coughs> so uh they track the Star Destroyer to to Bespin in Cloud City, which Han's like, this will be good because my buddy Lando owns the place and he doesn't like the Empire, so we'll be totally safe. <laughs> Leia's just like, are you sure? Is he a good guy? Well, not really. Um, no, he's a scoundrel. You'd like him. Uh, is he trustworthy? Uh, <laughs> um, does he even really like you? Well, well, I won the ship from him gambling, so probably not. Yeah, probably not. Now, of course, we get to see all of Luke's training going down. Oh, yeah, he lifted some rocks, and he stood on his head. (laughs) But I I don't like that whole force cave thing where he gets the vision of Vader and he could turn to the dark side, because it's just... And he, like, cuts his head off, and the thing explodes, and it's his face. Because that's the one thing I liked about uh, the Family Guy spoof, where they're just like, it's very confusing, and it stops the movie dead. And I'm like, yeah, it's really the only crappy scene in the whole movie. Like, I get it, but it's just, eh. But Luke is too reckless in his training, and he gets the vision of his friends in trouble, so he abandons everything that he learned so he can go save his friends. But I kind of like how uh, they're bargaining with him to stay until he's like, nope, I'm doing this. And then they're just like, all right, well, here's the advice we're going to give you because your mind is made up. Don't give in to hate when you're doing this. And Yoda's like, yes, mind what I taught you. So you don't get killed. But that boy is our last hope. forget what Yoda said. He said, Luke, stay away from the darker side. And if you ever feel straight, the force be your guide. Oh, my Yoda. Yo, 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 (laughs) Yoda. I know Darth Vader's really got you annoyed, but remember, if you kill him, then you'll be unemployed. Oh, my Yoda. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, but yes, this is a, that boy is our last hope. No, there is another. What? Like, and Obi, and I just wanted to be like, Obi-Wan, don't you know that? Weren't you present for that? <laughs> Shouldn't you already know this? So sure, sure enough. Well, you know what? Maybe in all that seclusion, he forgot about Leia. Oh, I also heard another fan theory about whether Jedi are dum dums because they're just like, well, you know, when you're a Jedi, you can't fuck, and they're like, you're like getting rid of the best possible way to get new, more powerful Jedi. <laughs> yeah, right. You need well, to let the Jedi is that, fuck. Is that a thing? 
Is that actually a thing, though? Because I thought the whole point was that they just couldn't love. You don't really need to love to, to do that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so so maybe, they're, maybe they're not like high priests. I don't know. That, that's, that's interesting, though. Because <laughs> it never says, it all it says is Jedi can't love. It doesn't say they can't do the other thing. Uh. <laughs> so they have like sperm banks and stuff going on. Yeah, they could. You don't know. Jedi sperm bank. I don't know. Are they allowed to do that? <laughs> Jeez, it is supposed to be a religious thing. Anyway. Oh god. With that said, let's go ahead and move on to Cloud City. Lando went ahead and made a deal that'll keep the Empire out of here forever. And that deal is, I'm going to turn you all over to him. Boba Fett's going to take you, and the rest of you will remain trapped here on the city forever. Forever. But uh, now you're going to take them to my ship. That wasn't part of a deal. That was giving Han to the bounty hunter. Well, I've altered the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Oh, no. Yes, so uh, they, they, they... He doesn't invite- even want you. He wants some guy who's Skywalker. Yep. So they're gonna let him. They're gonna let him land, and they're gonna carbon freeze him, so they can take him to the emperor. But we don't they know. Have if- to make sure the system works first. So let's yep. freeze on. Or as Lando says in both movies, Han. Yes, Han. He can say it however he wants. Well, he is black, and he's wearing a cape, and he is fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is. So, while all this is happening, uh, Han is frozen in carbonite, and he survives the process, and of course delivers the classic line, when Leia's like, I love you, and he's like, I know. And even though his his hands are shackled, he freezes with his hands up. (laughs) Yep. Hands up. Don't shoot. Hands up. So, Han gets taken to his ship, and Luke, of course, being ignorant at this point, walks right into the trap. Even though Leia's screaming at him, don't, it's a trap. Even Admiral Akbar shows up a, a movie early and says <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a trap. And he still does it. Invader's just waiting for him. And Luke's like, okay, I'm going to light my lightsaber first, even though that's pretty much a bad idea when it comes to Jedi code. And Vader's like, alright, let's do this. So Luke, in his inexperienced ways, attempts to fight Vader. And it's funny because knowing what you know, you're like, man, Vader's really not trying. Vader could have killed him in five seconds, but he doesn't. All he does is let him lead him towards the hole so he can get frozen. Yep. And then when he actually escapes, Vader tries another trick, which is I'll just I'll put him in a position where he needs to bargain for his life. I'll cut off his hand. So now he's really screwed because now he doesn't have a lightsaber or a hand. And this, of course, comes the biggest plot twist in cinema history, which is still a really powerful scene to this. And it still gets quoted incorrectly. (laughs) Yep, it does get quoted incorrectly. And this is the scene that I really feel, and there's another scene in Jedi we'll talk about. This is a scene why I tell people when you introduce people to Star Wars, don't watch them in canon order. Watch them in release order, because this scene is much more powerful to a new fan if you don't already know the backstory, because they they build it perfectly, and then Luke <laughs> Luke can't believe it, so he screams. You told me you killed my father. No, I 
am your father. Well, impossibly. <laughs> and he's just like, come on, let's be father and son running the galaxy. And Luke's like, nah, we'll, I'd rather we'll kill the my- emperor and everything and be cool. Yeah. Luke's like, nah, I'd rather just jump to my death. And somehow lives. <laughs> yep. But it's okay because for, for some reason he knows he can contact Leia. Through the well, first, he tries to, to contact, contact Obi-Wan. And he's just like, uh, I can't help you because I'm kind of dead. But I, I could help you because I have the power to, but I'm not going to because we're kind of dicks. The, wasn't that one of the whole plot points of the prequels that the Jedis are kind of dicks? <laughs> Way to confirm this, you assholes. Well, it's do or do not. There is no try. Yes. And, of course, Lando orchestrates his... Uh, Lando orchestrates everything so that it's like, oh yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll free everybody. And of course, Chewie doesn't believe him, so he starts choking him. And poor three PO who got blasted earlier is just in pieces because Chewie can't fix him properly. He puts his head on backwards, and his legs are <laughs> are not down. <laughs> and R two gets electrocuted because he's like, R two, go talk to the computer. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, no, I don't know what a power socket is from a computer terminal. And, of course, this is another scene where all the stormtroopers are missing on purpose. So they're all getting killed for their efforts. <laughs> but I also like how R2 does the smoke screen to, to distract them so that they really can't hit anything. Because they were too late to stop Boba Fett from getting away. <clears throat> but uh, And, of course, as they mentioned in the prequels, one of the reasons why Amidala was the best shot was because in the original movies, one of the best shots is Leia. And that's supposed to be a family trait. So if if the if the Force Awakens rumor about Rey being related to them is true, then she's probably not going to miss anything. I guess we'll see. By the time some people listen to this episode, I'll have already seen the movie and I'll probably be raving about it. <clears throat> but anyway. So they find Luke, they rescue him, they escape from the Star Destroyer. Luke gets a people will say how like this movie ends so like on such a down note and Everything's bad, but I'm like, no, at the end, it was like, you know what? They're like, we got this at the end. <laughs> I think it's just because it's it's inconclusive. Because you don't know what's going to happen to Han. You don't know what's going to happen to anybody else. And you still don't really know if Vader was telling the truth. Which is the whole reason Yoda appeared in Return of the Jedi. Because child psychologists were contacted and they're like, any moviegoer 12 and under is going to dismiss Vader's claim as just a lie. Unless you confirm it from a trusted source. So Yoda was written into Return of the Jedi for that very purpose. So we can say, yeah, he is your father and then die. <laughs> yep. Well, we're going to we're going to review Jedi next, which is actually a pretty linear movie. If you think about it, it doesn't start getting crazy until the end because it starts off with the new Death Star. They really see it took them 19 years to build the original and then four to build the next one. Well, even all- though it's not complete, but it's functional. Yeah, well, that was like the whole Already thing. Fun- they built a shield generator on the planet, so it'll be protected. And they're going to get that part functional before they actually complete the thing. And it's 460% larger than the original, so it's bigger and better. Yep. But maybe they've been building it the whole time and you just don't know. Well, I figured they've been building it at least since the previous one got destroyed. Oh, I'm sure. So, naturally... 
we're going to go to the Death Star. Vader's visiting it. And he's like, hey, you guys really suck at keeping on schedule. So the Emperor's like, the last one was built in 19 years. It's only been four years. God, it's been taking too long. Yeah. He's just like, all right. Well, here's the deal. The Emperor's coming. So go ahead and explain to him why you guys are sucking so bad. Uh, okay. (laughs) So as we know, Han got taken a job of the hut. So there's apparently been this big plan that's been in place for three years <laughs> that's going to all be orchestrated right now. So this shows that the droids show up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> With a video message from Luke. Where he's like, oh, hey, you can have these droids as a gift. Just give me Han Solo back. <laughs> Which is funny because R2 knows what's happening, but 3PO doesn't again. So he's just like, what's happening? Because 3PO is the Sataki one, and he's going to yeah. do stuff. And R2's got the whole plan in store. They have uh, Lando's already there. I love <laughs> how he's like, at the one scene where they're like, at the little, at the at the cantina in Jabba's palace or whatever, and he pulls the mask down so the crowd can know it's Lando. Yep. <laughs> Well, Lando—that's the whole thing. The Lando's already there, so maybe that's why it took them so long because he was trying to find the right moment to do this. Leia disguises herself as a bounty hunter that brings in Chewbacca, and that so she can sneak Han out of there. And then, of course, Luke just arrives and purposely gets himself captured, kills a rancor. He does kill a rancor. With a that's door. A, yeah, with a skull and a door. Well, that's a cool scene because I remember people were like. Man, if only Luke had had his lightsaber, then that would have happened. It's like, I think that was the point (laughs) where Luke was like, oh, shit, this could be bad. I better use all the other Force stuff I know, like my accuracy for throwing skulls. Skull throwing accuracy. I got to talk about this because I – the Jabba's Palace scenes are cool because it's like the cantina with all the creatures, but the song and dance number was stupid. And here's my memory about this. When the special edition was re-released in theaters in 1997, when you would go see the the first movie, they would show you the trailer for the next one. And they would be like, with all new scenes and stuff like that. Well, when they showed the trailer for Jedi, they showed the song and dance number, and everybody in the theater laughed. And I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be funny. Boo, 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 boo. And then, of course, the scene itself actually happens, and no one in the theater is laughing, and I felt awkward. I'm like, aren't I supposed to be laughing at this? I don't understand. It's because they already blew their load in the preview. <laughs> oh, the cool thing they did was they put in Boba Fett as a ladies' man, where he's got all the dancer girls, and he's just like, yep, this is my life, because I'm a bounty hunter. I, I, have, a really, I, have, a, I have a really shitty death scene, <laughs> but I'm Sorry. a bounty hunter. He didn't die. Well, now that expanded universe doesn't exist anymore. No, no, actually, he does survive because he's in Battlefront, which is canon. So, Boba Fett, in fact, survived the Sarlacc pit. That is Palmer Cannon. But (laughs) the whole thing was orchestrated so that R2 would just give Luke his lightsaber and he'd slaughter everybody. Now, of course, what wasn't planned was Blind Han Solo taking out Boba Fett (laughs) and Leia escaping and strangling Jabba the Hutt. And I'm Lando assuming, almost dies. <laughs> yes, and Lando almost dies. But <laughs> uh, it's still a fun scene. It's a good action scene. I love and now, he pulls out the blaster, and Lando's like, "Higher! Aim higher! Aim yeah. higher!" Because <laughs> he's gonna just shoot him in the leg. <clears throat> 
Chewie, help <laughs> Chewie, help Lando. Oh, yeah, and when Boba Fett actually arrives, Chewie takes down Han so he won't kill him, but Luke is just like, oh, okay, so he can just attack me. That's cool. And when he just cuts his blaster in half. <laughs> and then he abandons them to go take out the other guys. It's like, but Boba Fett's still there. <laughs> and he has a freaking flamethrower arm and a rocket on his back. <laughs> <laughs> The robot chicks gets great when he falls into the Sarlacc pit and he's pretending like he meant to do it. And he's bragging to the guy that's already in there like, oh, yeah, I smoked like 30 rebels and all these Jedi showed up. But I was like, I'm not going to give you the pleasure. So I jumped in myself. He's like, oh, man, that's great. At least he didn't go out like a punk. And he starts crying. He's like, yep, I'm a real badass. So, like, in the in, inside the Sarlacc, you will be digested for a thousand years, but, like... You're not going to live that long. How, yeah, how long are you going to live? Like, even Yoda lives to 900, but, like, even if he went into the Sarlacc pick, uh, second after he was born... Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... <laughs> like, really... Yeah, it's 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 amusing. It's another one of those things where it's like, all right, I, I get that it's supposed to be unless humans just live that long in. I don't think so. But even even so, Palpatine in canon is over a hundred years old. But still, like when we meet him on the Death Star, he's over a hundred years old. Oh, well, the Emperor arrives, and of course, he's telling Vader, "All right, be patient. He's going to come to you. He's, we got this." And, of course, Yoda reveals the truth before he dies. <clears throat> and then Obi-Wan is just like, yeah, what I told you was true from a certain point of view. And you can just see Luke getting pissed off. Like, a certain point of view? WTF, man. <clears throat> but, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, you have a sister. I'm not going to tell you who she is so you can figure it out. <laughs> and, and he's just like, yeah, your instincts serve you well, but they can be used to serve the Emperor, so don't use them. Like, all right, Jesus Christ, dude. But that's the whole thing with the Jedi. Let's just be as vague as hell. Yeah, it's... Jedi. Stupid Jedi. All right, so we're going to move on here and discuss what happens next. This is, of course, the big plan to take out this Death Star. Oh, here comes Mon Mothma. Yep, and Admiral Akbar. And I love the actress playing Mon Mothma is just, like, horrified looking at... Admiral Akbar as he's talking the whole time. So oh, the calamari. Ugh. So this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna send a command team down and knock out the shield generator, and then our ships are gonna fly in and take out the reactor core. It's like, oh man, that sounds great. So who's your team gonna be? Solo. I love uh, like Je oh General Calrissian. So uh, are your is your are your fighters ready? Yeah, and freaking Leia's like General Lando. That's crazy. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, and here and we have a group of people going onto the moon to, like, to fight the people and disable the shields. Who the hell pulled that one off? Uh, General Solo. General Solo? Ready? She just looks at him like, um. <laughs> so they they have a stolen Imperial shuttle that's going to land. And, of course, they, they somehow get through because Vader knows Luke's on the ship. And he's just like, oh, leave him to me. Another one of those tactical errors where it's like, we could have just blasted them and none of this would have happened, but nope, pride has to get in the way. So they land on the moon. We get the cool speeder bike chase so they can find the shield generator. This, of course, was shot by having a, a crew member walk through the forest 
with the camera shooting one frame per second, and then they sped it up to normal, so it looks like you're going super fast, and it looks pretty cool. Also, the forest they shot in in Northern California was scheduled for deforestation, so they were able to destroy as many trees as they wanted. LOL. Hey, whatever works, right? Leia gets taken out on the speeder bike and is discovered by Wicket the Ewok, who takes her to the village. And she's all welcomed into the village, but everybody else gets trapped in a net because Chewie sees food. And 3PO is apparently a god. Well, it's against my programming to impersonate a deity. Oh, great, 3PO. Well, you're just screwing us right now. He didn't get the freaking hint from Luke. I'll use my Jedi powers and make a little god, you dumb dumb. See, Luke, they they don't believe me. And of course, as he's just flying through the air, he's like screaming for help. It's just like, I don't think he's going to drop you, dude. It's not like what he did to poor R2 on Dagobah, where he did drop R2. And of course, we the Ewoks accept them into the village. And 3PO tells them the whole story with sound effects. Yeah, that's right. And Luke's just like, I can't stay. I have to go confront Vader. And Leia, you're the last He's hope. my dad, and I have to tell him that I love him and that he should come back with us and be a good guy. Yep. Leia, do you remember your mother? Uh, no, she died giving birth to me. Me neither. But you know what? That's another thing where it's like, okay, fan, fan theory time. If she's that strong with the Force, then of course she's going to have memories of her mother. Because that's how the Force operates. I'm like, okay, that's a good way to cover it. So that just means Luke is a dum-dum in this case. In that case, Leia is smarter than Luke. But the only reason she she doesn't really know her Force powers is because nobody's really, like, helped her with them. All so she's there wasn't some old is, man watching her the whole time. Yeah. She, they got adopted because it's just like, oh, yeah, I want a baby girl. It's like, well, what do we do with the other guy? Hey, he's going to go farm moisture on a desert planet and be freaking miserable. Oh, cool. She became a princess and he became a farmer. Well, that was certainly a fair trade-off. So we're going to lead into the big old battle of Endor here because they reach the shield generator. They they make it inside, but they get captured. So they don't get the shield generator out in time. The rebels know that he's coming because the Emperor let it happen. Luke gets taken to the Emperor after trying to plead with Vader because he knows there's still good in him. So there's a lot that happens at one time. There's still an hour left in this movie. I'm like, there's three things happen the rest of this movie. There's still an hour left. Yeah. It's really crazy how much actually happens here. But I like how they uh, you start to see that there is still something for Vader because he's like, it's too late for me. But at the same time, he's conflicted. I'm like, that's awesome. Great character development for Vader before he goes to see his master, who, of course, is just a dickhead old man. And that's another scene I love that Family Guy made fun of, where he's like, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. And then Chris says, Luke is like, geez, you don't have to be a dick about it. So, of course, all of the rebels arrive, but they're jamming them. And they're just like, we have enemy ships in Sector 47. It's a trap. It's a trap. So now the space battle's happening while they're trying really hard to regain footing on Endor. But it's okay because the Ewoks are going to help them and k- kill the entire 501st Legion because, hey, that's what happens. Well, they're ATSTs. They, yeah. they smush, smush one between two big logs. 
a group of Ewoks and, and Chewbacca take over one and shoot another one from behind. And just start destroying everything in sight. Well, it's all right, because they actually use that to their advantage. They have the guy, they have one of the rebels or a captive prisoner contact them and be like, it's over, Commander, send some reinforcements. And he's just like, okay, we got this. I like it when, when Han is like, oh, shit, and then he runs away, and there's a whole bunch of rebels waiting for the bad guy <laughs> yeah. around the corner. Ugh. <laughs> and the, the guy who does the Wilhelm scream makes a cameo appearance and does a new version of it. Remix. The remix, yeah. Uh, the Battle Endor is kind of cool. It's a little annoying because, like, just just because of how the Ewoks are. It's a little but, silly, uh, but hey, this, you know it works. The space battle's pretty cool because they're just you like... You know this is an allegory for Vietnam and the Ewoks yes. are... Vietnam. Yes. And of course, <laughs> the, the Emperor gets the Death Star operational, so it starts taking out the cruisers. So Lando's like, well, we can't do that, so let's just uh, go after the Star Destroyers. We'll take a few of them with us. It's like, all right, cool, suicide mission time. So the, it's basically just a big distraction so Han can finish his mission. Meanwhile, Luke is tempted to the dark side, which he gets a little dangerously close to. First, he tries to kill the Emperor, and then he pulls himself back, and then Vader taunts him about t- killing his sister. And he basically dismantles Vader, cuts off the same hand he already lost, and the Emperor's just like, good. Let the butthurt flow through you. But Luke refuses. He goes, no, your highness, you failed. I am a Jedi like my father before me. And he's all like, so be it, Jedi. Han blows up the shield generator. The rebels start their assault. And this is another scene that you have to show before the prequels. Because now you see the true power of the dark side where the Emperor can command force lightning and just electrocutes the crap out of Luke. And along comes my absolute favorite scene in all the Star Wars movies, which is Vader's Redemption, when he watches... Oh, when he body slams him in front of 90 million friends. <laughs> and there are 93 million screaming Hulkamaniacs at the Pontiac and Death Star. The, in the Silver Dome. <laughs> the Pontiac Death Star. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so great. I don't like the retroactive adding of the no initially, but it's kind of grown on me, and I'm okay with it now. I think, still think it's more effective without the dialogue. But I think it was just it was thrown in to kind of echo the point. But it doesn't matter because after watching the prequels, this scene is intensified by them because you know how dark Anakin got. You know how much he dedicated himself to his master, all because of what he wanted. And you learned so much about so much more about the Emperor in through those. Right, and now you you because really- he only shows up in what like what ten seconds in Empire, and then like in a few scenes in this one. Yeah, but he. So you know how really bad he he truly is. So for Vader to to remember that he has compassion for the people he loves and to save his son from the Emperor is a significant moment. And the but he's mortally wounded in the process because the Emperor was electrocuting him the whole time and short circuited all his breathing systems. So he's done. But then the assault is happening outside as Wedge leads the fighters in. the the uh, The mandatory fat pilot dies. Because that's what has to happen. And uh, Admiral Akbar's like, we got to give the fighters more time. So everybody take out the Superstar Destroyer. And Admiral P is just like, dude, we got this. And then an A-Wing crashes onto the bridge. And the whole thing just falls into the Death Star. <laughs> well, we had this. But I guess we don't anymore. 
And meanwhile, as as everyone's escaping, Luke takes his father's mask off so he can look at him with his own eyes and bring on the feels as Anakin is re- as redeemed completely and dies in front of his son after he finally returned to the good side. And brings balance to the Force. And the balance has finally been brought back to the Force. And by balance, we mean it's only good. <laughs> yep. So Luke escapes on the Imperial shuttle. <clears throat> Wedge and Lando take out the the reactor. And this is it's kind of a cool scene because it's different from the first Death Star where it's like, is it did it actually work or is it going to blow up the planet? And then it just explodes. This one, you know it's happening, but your concern is, oh, crap, are they going to make it out in time? Because they kind of this time the Death Star blows up horizontally instead of vertically. Yes, it does. <laughs> and of course, once they realize that they're succeeding, Admiral Ackbar is like, uh, you guys want to get the ships away from the Death Star now? Because <laughs> this is going to suck in a minute. Everyone come down to the moon so we can have a party. Okay. Yep. Luke, Luke makes it out. Wedge makes it out. And you're just like, oh, crap. Is Lando going to make it? And he does. And then the Death Star blows up. <clears throat> and Han's like, Leia, don't worry. Luke made it off that thing. And she's like, oh, I know. I can feel it. Yeah, you love him, don't you? And she's like, uh, yeah. He's like, all right, I'm not going to be in the way. I'm not going to be a third wheel. She's like, dumb, dumb. He's my brother. And then Han's just like, oh, crap. That means we can fuck. Oh, crap. You kissed him. <laughs> like, like that's the whole that's the whole expression on his face. And then Luke does the funeral funeral pyre for his father in seclusion while we have a big party. And another thing I'm glad they added in was they included Naboo as one of the celebrants of the planets. You can like, wait a second, those, those are Gungans. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes sense to show Bespin, because that was under control of the Emperor. <clears throat> makes sense to show Mos Eisley, because that was under control of the Emperor. And then I like how in Coruscant they just tear down. They're crowd surfing a stormtrooper, which I thought was funny. And they tear down the statue of the Emperor. And in the background, you see the Jedi Temple. Which I'm, I'd have to go back and watch the original special edition to see if the Jedi Temple was actually in there or not. Or if they retroactively added that for the DVDs. And then, during the celebration, comes the one retroactive thing that I understand it, but I really didn't like it. And that's, now it's Hayden Christensen. Ugh. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Because obviously he's supposed to have aged. But I get why they did it. Of course, they didn't tell him they were doing this. So he's just like, man, I wish I knew so I would have played that scene a little differently. Because Lucas just kind of shot him in costume. And it's just like, oh, awesome. I don't know what's happening, but sure, I'll react to things. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Star Wars. An awesome, awesome, awesome set of movies. And absolutely one of my favorites. <clears throat> and it was the last Star Wars movie we were going to get until Disney acquired Lucasfilm and decided we are and, to go through And it. immediately decided 20 new Star Wars movies. Yeah, pretty much. All right. So let's go through the bit of trivia here to wrap us up. Now, as you know, Lucas was convinced this film was actually going to be a flop. So him and Spielberg didn't even attend the premiere. They went to Hawaii where they came up with the idea for Raiders of the Lost Ark. But it's okay because Spielberg was the only one who thought this was going to make millions of dollars. And I guess he was correct. They didn't just make millions. They've made like 
Jeez, like, I don't even know how many figures they're up to at this point. It's over 10. Probably probably 12 figures. I mean, it's crazy how much money this, this movies have made. Um, originally, R2-D2 could speak standard English and was pretty, pretty much a, a swearer. But even after they removed his lines, they kept in a lot of 3PO's reactions to it. Uh, the Crate Dragon Skeleton that is seen in A New Hope, is still there in Attack of the Clones, so when they revisited the set, they went to go see the skeleton, because it's still there to this day. David Prowse, who's the body of Darth Vader, and James Earl Jones, who plays the voice, have never actually met in real life. Uh, George Lucas's communication towards the cast was relatively well-known. His directions were either faster or more intense. And they're just like, okay. Hey, you know that shot where Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher swing across that big pit in the Death Star? They did that scene themselves. Good for them. There's a lot of pits in the Death Star. Um, They didn't know if there was going to be a sequel to the film, but Lucas still wanted the scene where Vader's TIE fighter escapes the battle. <laughs> yeah, Lucas upset the Libyan government while he was shooting in Tunisia because they border. <laughs> so the, the Libyan government was like, um, there's a massive military vehicle parked near our border. And they're just like, uh, could you move that sand crawler away? Because it's scaring us. <clears throat> Uh, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill were apparently very playful and liked to fool around while they were shooting, unless Alec Guinness was there, in which case they were extremely professional. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> well, that's like um, in uh, in Dogma, Jason Mewes learned all of his lines and was as professional as possible because he wanted to impress Alan Rickman, which I always got a kick out of. This is the only Star Wars movie to be nominated for a Best Picture Award. Also, the first science fiction film to be nominated for Best Picture. But you know who it lost to? Annie Hall. Which actually isn't that bad of a movie. Darth Vader only has 12 minutes of screen time. And yes, the Dutch word for father is, in fact, Vader. It's pronounced Vater, but it is the word. So, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are of Swedish and Jewish ancestry, respectively. And in the prequels, their parents were played by Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman, who are Swedish and Swedish Jewish. Jewish. As we all know, the original name was going to be Starkiller, which was used for Force Unleashed and will be used for Force Awakens, because that was the original Star name. Starkiller is also used in KOTOR. Yes. Was a, yes, was, it is. Was like the, the king of the fighting champions that you have to kill. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so uh, that's a couple of stats from the original film. (laughs) So you know how Luke got all those Jedi powers retrieving his lightsaber? Well, Mark Hamill threw the lightsaber, and then they ran the film in reverse. That works, right? Yep. (laughs) Usually a better way of going about it. Mark Hamill had to bang his head 16 times on Yoda's ceiling hut before the director was satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) 
Carrie Fisher stood on a box for most of her scenes with Harrison Ford because she's 5'1 and he's 6'1. And as we know, Han Solo is the only non-Jedi or Sith in the entire original trilogy to actually wield the lightsaber. That would have been true for all the films, but then General Grievous was like, nope, I got four. The only stunt Mark Hamill didn't do himself was when he gets sucked out of the Cloud City window. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I don't, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the, like, really technical stats in the movie. I know some people find them fascinating, but some of them just bore me. It's just like, okay, like, I get it, and I, I understand it, but it's like, uh, tell me more fun stuff about about the movie. Not, oh, these special effects did this thing. All right, cool. Jim Henson was actually offered the role of Yoda, but he recommended Frank Oz instead because he was busy working on The Great Muppet Caper, which came out in 1981. Which is the best of all Muppet movies. Uh, when Vader first enters the Hoth base in an, in an outtake, he trips on a cable and falls face first. The carbon freezing chamber is the only time that Vader and 3PO appear on screen together. But of course, Vader doesn't know who he is because he doesn't know he built him. Well, I mean, there's other droids that we see that look exactly like him. Yep. <laughs> Despite Empire Strikes Back seeing such, being such a downer film, it actually has the lowest body count of the entire Star Wars saga. Only 30 people get killed. So, yeah. Well, stop. I mean, Death Stars blow up in two of the other movies. That's true. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, the, the prequels are just, there's just death everywhere. <laughs> yes. Han Solo was originally... Supposed to say, just remember that Leia because I'll be back when she delivers his I love you line. That's dumb. (laughs) But he didn't want to, he wasn't sure if he was going to come back for a third line. So they, it was rumored that the line was ad-libbed, but Harrison Ford actually came up with it anyway. So yeah, that's the whole, the whole deal. And of course we've already talked about how the father thing was always misquoted, but also they had to get child psychologists involved to to add Yoda to Jedi. Otherwise, it was going to be a big old lie. <laughs> um, Carrie Fisher complained about her costumes in Jedi, and she had several wardrobe malfunctions <laughs> during shooting. But she actually wore two of them. She had the metal one for her regular scenes, and then her stunt work, she wore a rubber costume. Also, the slave girl that Jabba feeds to the Rancor has a wardrobe malfunction that they've never actually edited out. It's the last scene before she falls in where she's pulling on the pit. There's a tit just out and jiggling, and they've never edited it. So, good job. We all know that Harrison Ford suggested Han Solo sacrifice his life to save his friends, but Lucas just disagreed. And we have yet to see if that's going to be a thing in the new trilogy. Uh, Nian Num, the co-pilot of Lando, speaks a dialect called Haya, which is actually a Kenyan dialect, and the natives were thrilled to hear their language not only being spoken, but being spoken in proper context. You know that planet called Endor? Well, it's in the Bible. When Saul went to the uh, the eve of the final battle with the Philistines, he came across the Witch of Endor. Endor is also an elvish word in in Lord of the Rings. It means Middle Earth. 
It's the literal name for Middle Earth is Endor in Elvish. And then uh, let's see if we got any. The, the spoiler facts are usually the most interesting ones. When Vader picks up the Emperor and throws him down the shaft, it's the only time the Jedi theme plays over a shot of Vader, which of course signifies his return to the light side. <clears throat> and of course, we have an original ending was going to be that Luke would put on the helmet and claim, proclaim himself the new Darth Vader. But Lucas is like, no, this is a film for kids. That's too dark. And they're just like, okay. And I guess we talked about how he fulfilled the prophecy. And the only X-Wing pilot to survive all three films is Wedge. Apart from Luke, but he doesn't actually fly an X-Wing in the last battle. <clears throat> so, yeah. Some cool facts about the original Star Wars movies that y'all can take home and enjoy. We've talked about lots of fan theories, and we've talked about lots of other stuff. But that's going to basically conclude our Star Wars discussion on Talk and Talkies, at least until the anthology films come out, or until Episode Eight, which was when we'll probably review Force Awakens. Yeah. So go check out Force Awakens. By the time you listen to this episode, I will probably have already seen it. I have made a promise to everybody I will not spoil anything for the movie because I think that's just a dick move in general. But after I've seen the movie, and you have also seen it, you may call me, text me, or Facebook me, Chris O'Mealy, and let's nerd out about Star Wars because the only thing I have paid attention to were the, the comments coming out of the London premiere and lots of smiling faces and lots of positivity, which makes me really happy to hear. So I am all about The Force Awakens. I am all about this new trilogy, and I am all about feeling like a little kid at the movie theater again watching Star Wars. But next week, of course, we're returning ba to Back to Christmas! Yes, Christmas back story. to Christmas hype! Uh, Christmas Story is going to be our movie next week because, of course, it is the week of Christmas, and it's like the Christmas movie for a lot of people. It's not my Christmas movie, but I absolutely appreciate this film, so we're going to review that. And then for New Year's, we are going to review It's a Wonderful Life, which I've never actually seen, oh. so I'm looking forward to that. So it's we'll see be fun. next week. For Christmas story and Star Wars hype, we don't just get hype, we stay hype. Bye. Da, 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 da. <laughs>